0: Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. All right. Welcome to a special episode of the Finding Backcountry podcast. Special for a couple reasons. One, I'm on my way to go scout. And two, I have a Live, other person in the car, mm-hmm. and three, we already recorded this podcast once, and it's two of what am I on 118 episodes or something that I delete, didn't delete, just used a bad SD card that didn't pull it. So, yeah, Kenneth, Can- why don't you reintroduce yourself <laughs> to everyone else?
1: All right, yeah, um, Kenneth Rall, uh, born and raised in Western Oregon, um, hunted blacktails and Roosevelt's growing up. And then uh, just continued going west. I mean, I had a dream of moving to Wyoming in high school and um, accomplished it just moving out of high school with my brother and then lived in a place where you couldn't, you know, it's hard to afford in western Wyoming. So I uh, had to move back to Oregon, and but had the dead set plan to move back to Wyoming for good. Um, saved up for three years just to do that. Saw an opportunity um, with Kofaru moving to Riverton and went full send. I bought a house in Riverton before, uh, before I even had a job with Kafaru. Um, just more or less, just kind of wanted to accomplish my dream of moving to Wyoming and officially living in Wyoming. Accomplish that, and then getting a dream job with Wyoming or with Kafaru. And um, here I am now, you know. And it's it's crazy that this is this is my place of home. But um, I love it. Love every second of it.
0: Yeah, we talked last time about just kind of how crazy it was that you basically just manifested yourself into the situation and the, you know, the, working for the company and living where you wanted to live. Right. Like talk yeah. about,
1: talk about that leap. Yeah, that leap. Um, you know, I have a very supportive family and everything and just what we want to do. My family supports it. So, um, it kind of just came to a moment. I was in the back country in Idaho, elk hunting two days before season and snowing it's beautiful and five miles in um watching this bull just feeding across the hillside and decided right then and there that i am this is the moment in my life where i need to go for my dreams um perfect opportunity um 24 years old and just go for it so as soon as i i killed that bull actually two years two days later um on opening day and packing it out and still just big smile on my face you know just like this is this is it this is my life Um, and as soon as I got back, I contacted realtors in Riverton, um, and I had a house bought, I actually, the house got posted and I saw it on the pictures and everything, called my realtor that day, told her to go look at it. She looked at it and I put an offer in that day with every, never even setting foot in the house. Um, uh, where was
0: this in relativity to the, like the crazy housing boom? Just Just
1: before, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Just before. I mean, I got locked in with a 3.8. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, you know, that, that feels good right now. Um, (laughs) but yeah, no, I, I, it really like after about, you know, eight months of all everything happening, working for Kafar and everything, talking to people, I'm like, this is, this is crazy. Like everything's going like how it's in my mind was supposed to go. Right. And it never really happens like that. Um, I felt like I was about, you know, there's gotta be a moment where I get punched in the face and, uh, you know, it's, it hasn't happened yet. I'm still, still kind of doing what I wanted to do in a sense of, um, living wise, like living in an outdoor, you know, place that's for a guy that's just loves hunting. Um, it's literally all I do. You know, that now probably (laughs) that it's all I do. I backpack, I probably spend over a hundred nights in the field. Um, so it helps, you know, working for Kafaro. I was doing this regardless before, but, um, it helps working for Kafaro. And the thing is, is like, I went to Kafaro just, just cause I wanted to work there. It's not that I wanted to, you know, re- you know, have dreams of being in the industry or anything. Like I just wanted to work for Kefaro, um, just cause I believe in the product. Um, it helped on many pack outs of animals. And, um, I did not expect to be kind of working the way up into the, you know, System as I have now, but just very thankful for Aaron. Very thankful for Aaron and Anders. Um, definitely two big influences that have propelled me better as a hunter, but but better as you know business and everything. But um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a dream come true, really.
0: Well, and you know the punchline is at your age, right? And mm-hmm. not not that it really matters when you follow your dreams or whatever, but. You know, especially when you're young, you just, you have that cushion of the rest of your life, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's play worst case scenario. Let's say Kefaro goes out of business tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. And now you're out on the street or they think you're the worst employee ever and you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> like, what what would you do, right? You you either find a job mm-hmm. in in Riverton and life will go on and you re-chase your next dream or you might have to sell your house and move back home, right? You probably make a 100,000 bucks off of.
1: Yeah, <laughs> at this yeah. point. Yeah, exactly.
0: But, you know, regardless, it just, you know, that that time perspective of where you're at in life, if you're if you're the kid, you know, and I did this a few different times. Um <clears throat> I really like where I'm at right now. But, you know, to get there it was, you know, every everyone Let's just put it this way: Like I, I have one of those jobs too, right? Where people that talk to me or know me or whatever, like, oh, frick, man, like, you know, even our customers come out for a few days or a week at a time during a training class, and a lot of them will make comments like, oh, you know, you got a pretty rough gig here, you know, rough life, you yeah. know, you got to shoot, <laughs> oh, it's real, real rough, you got to shoot guns for a living and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But to get to that point, you know, I conditioned myself a long time ago. Right out of college, I went and and just did what I could do. Right, I went and fought wildland fire, and then I decided, you know, I'm gonna, I need something a little more full time, mm-hmm. um, but I want it to be doing something I want to do, right? And yep. so, I did what I wanted to do at the time, which is I I went and ran an archery shop at Shields. Figured that out, decided I liked this and didn't like that, and then I wanted to, you know, whatever, leave or go back home, and I went and did that, and then this pops up and. You know, but I'd already been kind of conditioned that like, hey, you know, the worst case is you move somewhere, you work there for two years or you work there for eight months and get fired or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's always the next thing waiting for you. If you have just a little bit of ambition, you're not a complete idiot. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, it, you know, it's it's the inspiration story for anyone out there that's just about, you know, in that whatever high school, 18 to
1: to any range really but yeah you know what's the worst case scenario well really and it's like you know you i like you go in expecting to succeed but you also know that there is a chance of failure um you know like there's always going to be failure in anything but in my mind i'm moving to wyoming even if i don't get a job with kafaru right i have bought a house and i'm 24 years old um i have a house and i can get a job if i don't like riverton i can sell that house and move somewhere else like it's you know, you want to succeed, but also, you know, in the back of your mind that there is a chance that it's not going to happen. Um, so it's kind of preparing for that, but also knowing that, you know, you got to take certain sacrifices, like, you know, like for me saving up money, I didn't do a whole lot for, you know, five years of my life. I just hunted and (laughs) just went hiking and stuff. I didn't go out and do anything, just kind of saving up, kind of realizing what I wanted and what could be a hindrance to that. So, um, if you're young and you see an opportunity of what you want to do why not go for it i mean hopefully you well, have a good
0: well and even even back up one step mm-hmm. from there cuz a lot of people don't know what they want to do right at yep. at 18 19 21 or whatever they don't they don't know so definitely at 16 17 or whatever usually yeah and so what you just said is key right you you were out doing and found the thing that you liked and so you didn't know it was going to be kafaru but yeah You know you had been out experiencing and tasting and doing you know the things and i'm sure if you would have hated backpack hunting you'd be fishing right you know or whatever (laughs) right like you would have went on to the next thing and so yeah
1: well my main goal literally to move to wyoming was just hunting like it wasn't anything else i just i mean there was a time period like get this so the time period where i was really saving up and just really hunting hard and everything I didn't, I wasn't on Instagram for three years. I just hunted and learned. I mean, I was out every weekend. I was out after work, just learning animal behavior. I wanted to be the best hunter that I could be. Um, and that just created a fire and fire and fire and it kept going. Um, you know, it's, it's focused on the right things and then eventually things will fall into place. It takes time. It's not like over, you know, overnight, like you're just boom, there you are. Um, you know, it was a whole process of working hard figuring out what I wanted and I figured that out and it didn't matter if it was industry or anything. If I wasn't in industry right now, I'd be doing the same thing I'm doing right now. Yeah. You know? So that's just kind of have that mindset. Like don't, don't go into it thinking, you know, if you, if you want to get into the industry is this is, this is where I think failure happens is like, I want to be something in industry. Like it's, that's not a goal and that's still not my goal i just love to hunt you know and then people kind of recognize that plus I'm working for Kafaro and everything well but...
0: it it can be a goal and it's usually sniffed out a hundred miles away mm-hmm. because it's a you know you make bad decisions right you, yep. you make decisions for the wrong reasons or whatever um mm-hmm. if you if you're going in with the intention you know maybe maybe if you just have that personality and you like to be on camera and you want to film your own hunt or whatever then then you kind of have to or you want to have a TV show like you have to go in with that mentality of hey yeah. I'm going to become part of the industry I guess but yeah. but in general for most of us who don't have that you know celebrity background or we don't have that personality to go on you know the out, yeah. you know the outdoor channel or whatever and run our own TV show you just like you said you you do it for the right reason and the pieces will fall into place. Yep. You know, don't, don't be chasing the wrong motive. Yeah.
1: And then if you think if I'm, if there's a video of me on Kafaru like talking or anything, I am nervous as hell in those videos. That's not just like me just out there just being extremely <laughs> confident. I mean, I'm still learning. Um, you know, that's big tips from Aaron is just like, just repetitive. Like, like right now he's like really wanting me to do videos while I'm out just because he knows that, you know, people don't do things that you do you know, that, if that term to, in, in terms of getting water or in terms of how you glass, um, just nothing I really think about, just like, I just do it. Yeah. Um, he's like, you know, there, you have, if you start to build platform, it's more or less just to help people that don't have that kind of platform to help them with. Um, so, you know, he's given me a goal to really like video what I'm doing, which is tough for me. Cause I just, like I said, for three years straight, I was non-existent, mm-hmm. just hunting and just doing my own thing, barely took any pictures, um, But now it's more or less I'm, like, trying to work in how to show people at least what I'm doing. But, yeah, it's, it's you know, a double-edged sword. You'll definitely see the bad things in the industry, but there's so much good, you know.
0: it's always better and more authentic, and people can tell uh, if you have done the things and then you're terrible at the video and (laughs) and you're trying to learn how to be comfortable on film talking about the stuff you've already been doing Mm -hmm. than it is to BS – and pretend that you're doing the thing, and you but you have the great video personality, or you're super comfortable in front of the camera. Yeah. But you don't know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. or you've never done any of it, and there's just a difference in people. Everybody, and whether it's this industry or the other one. Oh, yeah. They can sniff it out a mile away.
1: Oh yeah. What uh What do you do at Kafaru? So uh, inventory manager. So. More or less just making sure that uh, you know, hopefully everything's in stock, especially stuff that's selling really well. Um, as you know with parts and everything, it's it's tough uh to keep things in stock, especially when you're not making it. Um and also when it is hundred percent sown in America. Um, you know, we have home sewers, it's not like we get it's not like we get a set date that it's gonna come back from China and it's gonna be here on that date. Like we can't tell people that. Like we have home sewers that are learning a new product. Like when we sewed the bedlams. um, it took them a couple of weeks to really know how to sew the bedlums. I mean, bender can sew one up within a couple hours, but for other sewers to not, you know, know the bag and all that stuff, they got to learn how to sew it. So, um, more or less, it's, it's a fun job because I love our equipment. I love our gear. I love everything about it, but still it's a little bit stressful when, you know, you, you have hell benders out of stock and, you know, people are asking, when are they going to be in stock? You know, it's just like, you know, we'll, we have a kind of a, rough timeline but you know it's more or less when our sewers get them done um but no i love i love inventory i love our gear it's a lot of counting um but still it's 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 fun you know so but
0: yeah so i'm gonna say it again you're the guy that everyone can be mad at when Uh, you don't have your stuff in stock right
1: oh yeah, yeah 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 it's uh it's awesome getting Against certain emails or you know <laughs> dms and stuff when's this gonna happen yeah. and all that but i mean i like it just because people are engaged you know like if you if you have a question of when sheep tarps are going to be in feel free to hit me up i mean i'll give you an answer best answer i can i can't guarantee you're going to get it that's one thing it's you know i can't guarantee anything but i can at least relay to you before anyone else be like oh it's going to be here in two weeks yeah. or it's going to be here next week that type of thing um so if you do have any questions about inventory. Definitely. You can reach out to me, but don't, don't be, you know, don't be a jerk about <laughs> <Don't> it. <laughs> <be mean>.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. Cause listen, I'm in the similar boat right at my job and you know, it's out of my hands and guys order rifles and you know, and I get it right. They're just excited. It's not, you know, it's not like my old job where I was selling insurance. Nobody ever called me and was mad because their insurance renewal wasn't there on time (laughs) Yeah, right and that's because they hated it and i hated it and everyone you know it just wasn't fun Mm -hmm. but at this job you know you you're working with stuff that people are passionate about and they're using it to go do their passion and so they get um you know they get impatient which is understandable oh yeah yeah it doesn't help at all um it's really hard to grasp and you know, I'll say specifically with our customer base, um, when you're in that, a lot of them that are in that level of income, I think that they get pretty used to snapping their fingers and things just being there, mm-hmm. right? Because they, have, they do have a lot of money, most of them. And, you know, unfortunately, in this case, it, it's just a lot more technical product. And, and same with Kafaru bags and stuff. Like, it doesn't you know it doesn't matter what it is sometimes there's just restraints and stuff and so <clears throat> um it's frustrating for them sometimes you know oh, like yeah. like even if you know we told them four months and then you know two and a half months goes by and things change and now it's a six month lead so they've got an extra two months they didn't know they had and yeah. man that's that's tough for them but
1: oh it's tough yeah. yeah i mean you and i are both hunters too so we you know we know when we're buying another product and it, it's not in stock i mean it is it's yeah. frustrating, but also, you know, now that we're in the position, we kind of understand more, but still it's, it's, uh, I get it. I get it when people, you know, say they order a bino harness and it's not shipped by this day or they have a hunt coming up, you know, and they get antsy. I mean, I get that. I've, I've done that many times. Um, I mean, when I ordered my first Gafaru pack, I mean, our lead times now are insane, um, in sense of shipping out packs. Um, but when I order a pack, I mean, you know, it said it was going to be two months. It showed up like three weeks later, but still, you know, it, uh you know, you kind of have that thought in your mind, like, man, like, am I going to get this in time for this or that, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's such a, it's a double-edged sword, you know, of just thinking, you know, stuff's going to be in stock, but, you know, just trying to make, make sure people have peace of mind of when they're going to get something, but also you can't promise anything. And that's, that's what we had to tell customer service. You guys definitely don't not promise anyone anything because, you know, they don't. They have the least <laughs> they idea. They definitely don't know. Yeah. yeah, they definitely don't know when something's coming in. We've had a few <laughs> few things, but it's just, you know, it's 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 still, like, I don't want to make it sound like it's down, but um inventory's fun. I mean, I like it. It's definitely, you know, you're trying to play numbers to make sure you get everything, but there's times when stuff sells out way faster um, than normal, but, and you know, I mean, Kafara's growth since Aaron's took over has really skyrocketed and looking at past numbers is kinda of tough. Um yeah. because, you know, people people want a Kafara pack now and it's you know, it it has the name and um it business is growing. So um trying to go off past numbers is kinda of tough, but we're starting to get a better idea now, especially now after he took over of what we need to have in stock and everything. So um it's going good for sure. Well if it sounds like we're uh doing a whoop
0: section in the <laughs> motocross it's because we basically are we hit part of the dirt road here that's probably only going to get worse Yeah, it's a little bumpy from what i remember so uh if you don't like it just remember this is free podcast it is you paid nothing it for it no you're listening to it so. li- you chose you hit play <laughs> yeah. so you knew what quality you were gonna get yeah, yep um oh man so yeah if if i what didn't make it clear before we're uh, we're heading to Had to go scout for predominantly deer i'm sure oh yeah um and uh yeah we recorded this what maybe a week and a half ago yes we decided to do this and so i just i didn't have the heart to tell kenneth right after (laughs) because i went right in and tried to upload it and i'm like i knew right then i'm like this is this ain't gonna work (laughs) (laughs) and so i waited until right now but um I don't know, man. You you've been out more than me. What uh, what have you been seeing in general in Wyoming, specifically? Like, you know, the winter, the winter, the winter's on everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. And so, someone like you that's probably spent more time out there than anyone I know so far. What do you? What do you? What's the general feel?
1: The general feel. I mean, I'm not sure about you know. Definitely some certain areas. You know, could be we're different. Like, I'm not going to say this is statewide, but at least in the spots I've been checking out, I'm actually seeing more more deer than I did last year, um, you know, and especially really good, healthy young bucks. I haven't found, you know, that old, old crusty yet, but, um, I'm seeing a lot more deer like this last, I mean, I went out last night and I saw six bucks last night and then in an area that, you know, I d- didn't really see a whole bunch last year. Um, and then this morning I found another s- six in that same basin. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be different with different areas. Like You know, but at least what I'm seeing, I'm not seeing the numbers, at least what has been said. Um, That's not saying that, you know, certain areas are down, but I guarantee there's going to be some. But um, I say for me, it's been promising, very promising. I've been going into scouting season. I was going to a little down, you know, just like, what am I going to see? But I'm seeing a lot of healthy deer, which is which is great to see. Um, Elk are totally fine. Um, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm seeing elk everywhere but um very pleased with what I've seen for deer. And I mean, we'll get a good idea this weekend too, um, of what we see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been good scouting so far. I mean, the, the next few years look really promising with the quality of bucks I'm seeing. Um,
0: Care- careful. There's a lot of guys who, not a lot, but I know a handful that pre have already pre-committed the, to do their part. They're not going to hunt the general uh, season this year, I you think- know, because the herd was, there are no deer left. Um, and so...
1: Yeah, that's what... I haven't seen anything. Well, don't... <laughs> <yeah>. see, <laughs> no, see, don't don't
0: make them... Don't make them... <laughs> don't make them go back on their word. What was the date? Was it August 1st
1: they had to turn it in? Or when uh, was it? For, the, for what do you mean? I don't know. <laughs> when people are going to eat their oh, tags. Yeah. But, um, I mean, people can do their thing. And then that's the thing for me. Um, <clears throat> at least what I'm looking for, even if it is a down year, if it is a promising year, I'm going to look for an old mature buck. Um, and and that's the thing i'm not going to shoot a young deer um so to each their own i mean you have a general tag you have your own this is united states of america so if there's a chance to hunt a general tag i'm going to do it um and i'm going to do it with my means i mean if i see an old buck i mean the buck i killed last year is nine and a half years old if i find a buck that's nine and a half years old he's well past his breeding prime he's probably not breeding at all um and you know he you know can get taken out um so if you want to turn back your tag in, it's not going to hurt anyone. It's, it, if anything, you're going to save a deer, especially if, you know, if you do get tendencies to shoot young deer. But, um, you know, it's teach their own. Um, I think people that turn in their tags isn't doing anything wrong. Um, people that are hunting, and even if people that are hunting and Shooting whatever shoot they want. whatever they want, I mean that they can do that, right? Like it's not against the law. I mean, I know people are going to shame them, but, <clears throat> well, um, and, you know,
0: and, and listen, like I've I've come down pretty hard in the last couple podcasts, I think, about you know guys like that that are mm-hmm. you know hunters that are maybe a little too trigger happy or a little too ambitious or whatever, and I it it needs to be clear that you know I don't I don't care. I, I really don't. I don't care what you go out and do. I'm really good friends with a buddy that is a pure meat hunter, right? Had a pretty good premium draw tag uh, two years ago. Anyway. Yeah. Went up on it and shot the first, you know, little <laughs> three-point that he saw because he just couldn't stand it. And so, you know, and no judgment there because no. that was his – that's his north north star. Um, that being said, <clears throat> Um it, it, it's only going to help, right? I mean, yeah. it still is true that, you know, the more young bucks and the more bucks in general that we shoot and kill, the less is on the landscape, mm-hmm. the harder it is to find deer, the less tags that the game and fish can issue and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. And so when guys get tags and then choose not to kill stuff, that it just only helps the money stays in the system or whatever. Yep. Um I brought up an interesting topic on um Instagram yesterday. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and it it opened up a little can of worms that I didn't I didn't it it wasn't what I meant by the thing, but so so what I what I had posted was a comment that I'd made and all I it was just a question and that was should Fish and game agencies award you a partial refund for not killing a deer. And in my head, what I meant by that was an incentive to try to help that guy who may or may not need or, you know, doesn't really want to kill that deer, but it's the last day. And you know, the, the kind of the guy that I've talked about a few mm. times on here. That like maybe, and and I was that guy, right? It, oh yeah. Uh, my New Mexico hunt's the best example I have, but you know, just an incentive to like, hey, maybe not. And you know, especially as a non-resident, let's say, let's say the tag is, you know, four hundred bucks, and I'm going to get a hundred dollar refund if I if I don't shoot a deer. You know, that would definitely make me think twice. <clears throat> Before just, you know, tipping one over on the last day, right? Well, what ended up happening is everyone assumed that I meant like, you know, like a socialist view that, um, you know, that you were expected to uh, get a deer and because you were expected to get a deer, you know, the the state agency was going to issue a refund because your hunt sucked so bad. And I I don't know what to do with that because they're they're right like it does seem like that right it kind of seems like like it's a reward pro you know like oh you know you have a right to kill something but it's it's the opposite of what I meant I meant hmm. that you don't you shouldn't have <laughs> you shouldn't have the right to kill anything ever uh, every tag every year and and that's just a little kickback um you know it it probably goes a level deeper. Because you know, the whole principle would be if less people are shooting deer, the irony is they can issue a few more tags, right? Like Mm -hmm. and so when they issue more tags then more people pay to you know, and it 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 would just kinda add on itself. But I haven't thought it much further than that and I don't I don't know if it's a good idea or not. Yeah. I mean I I didn't say it was or wasn't, I just asked Just gonna ask questions. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. What do you like set
1: in stone? I mean I don't know, it's it's the thing of like if you're buying the tag, you have the intention of hopefully killing a buck, right? Like, you want to kill a deer. Um, but everyone's going to have different motives, I guess. So, like, for a guy like you and I, um, we're out scouting right now. There's not, a, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, there's really not a whole lot of people scouting. It's another um, it's another pet peeve I have, mm-hmm. Kenneth, that we'll talk about after. <laughs> All right. Um, but, you know, there's going to be different levels to hunters. I mean, there's guys that love to load up their trailer, you know, go out drive around, shoot fork and horns and drink beer. I mean,
0: beer at night and yep. I mean, hang out with their family or their buddies. Yep.
1: Yep. And then there's level guys like, you know, you and I, or, you know, just who want to pack in, they want to try to find a big deer. And if they don't find it, they're not going to kill one. Um, you know, and regardless, but like, like you say, that last day thing, like what is that big deer limit compared to when it was right off the bat? I mean, it's going to be different with people. Um, I'm not sure if that, you know, for us, the, and then how do you do the, the return back tag like when you're a resident? Um, you know, and money wise, because like what's, well, how much is our tag? I don't even know. But I don't know. 50 it's 50 bucks. Yeah, or 50 bucks. Like how much of that is going to get returned back? And then yeah. also, you know, for me, it's like if I want meat, I'm going to kill some elk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a cow tag, I have a bull tag this year in Wyoming, other tags in other states. So I I know I have four elk tags this year but I've set that up because I love eating wild game and I'll shoot four elk and not shoot it deer in Wyoming and be okay with that. Yeah. Um, if I don't find a buck, but that's me, that's some other guys, but that's not majority. So, well,
0: and, and, and that's the key, right? Is, mm-hmm. is there's no way for me to say or tell or dictate any person's, you know moral compass right what what's good for you to shoot or not yeah and i literally i still don't care to the you know i don't care what each individual does comma that still doesn't mean that there's not a problem no right there's still a problem with deer herds in general specifically and so something might need to be incentivized, right? It, again, it's not telling you to do anything. Like I said, I got a buddy, great, I don't care. Like, I, did, I was a little disappointed, and you know, when he has Especially this the taggy tag, and I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, that's my a good tag, <laughs> but um, you know, whatever, right? To each their own, yep, comma, there's still an issue and there's still a problem, and I know there is because those same guys who who were on the other side of where I'm at that do just want to kill something, even they're it's it's hard right it's getting harder to find deer and the, you know then then we have a bad winter and it's not even subjective call anymore of what size of deer out there there's just no deer right Yeah. i mean you've you've testified that there is <laughs> yeah. there is deer and there's, there's still of some them.
1: deer alive i should say that okay right, but, yeah they're not all dead right
0: but. but you know they start so they start cutting tags and you know they mm-hmm. they start you know so in other words they already they already do things to try to help the deer herd. Oh, yeah. So all I'm saying is, well, this would only help the deer herd if a few less people, you know, now, again, I understand, like, the money needs to stay in the system or whatever. And so, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just like a, maybe the fish and game agencies have a big, you know, raffle that they could get donations from, no different than,
1: whatever you know, Epic Outdoors doing. Yeah.
0: that's doing a Muley's Matter movement. And, mm-hmm. and why does it have to be a private agency or, what, or a private uh, company, but but thank goodness that there's someone like that that's doing stuff like that to just yeah <clears throat> try to again not tell anybody to do anything, just help them what make I a think, decision maybe yeah. when they when they know they should or shouldn't or don't want to really
1: yeah and what I think I do like just in general regardless of what's going on I do love seeing all the attention and all the love for Mildia right now um, I think that's awesome regardless of what you think um, there's still you know the most fanatical thing in western hunting and mill deer is the wyoming herd like it's you know it's people love wyoming deer it's uh iconic um and but just deer in general it's it's good to see all the support that it's getting even regardless of like someone who's going to turn their tag in which is all power to them like it's that's your decision right yeah um but for a guy like me who's not going to turn my tag in and i'm going to go hunt for mature deer um you know that's my decision but also um i have limitations of what i'm going to do but there's a majority of people that are just they don't even know what's really going on they don't know you know that yeah you know in their mind they don't know that the hard winter killed deer i mean some people don't know that um yeah. well and, it's it's kind of how i was
0: growing up as mm-hmm. as into it as i was like i can't remember You know, it's because we don't have bad winters down home. You know, you just, you only have, you only have good moisture years and then you have drought, right? But, (laughs) But we never, it was never anything that my dad or anybody ever like talked about. Oh, the, you know, deer numbers are down. I do remember from year to year and especially later on, like, oh, the deer don't really spend time in here. There's not as many deer that, you know, come down in winter where we hunted them. Yeah. We still went out and hunted, right? We were still there to kill the biggest buck that we could find. Mm -hmm. in the three, four days that we had to
1: hunt and we did it. Right. And we killed them and we went home. So I've been that, I'm that guy. I've been
0: that guy many times.
1: Yeah. And especially my view coming from Oregon where you don't have a winter. I mean, (laughs) those animals are fed all year long and everything, you know, this, there's no such thing as a winter death there. Um, you know, it's, it's different, but then, you know, I'm, I was still passionate about it when I was living in Oregon. So I knew and kept up on everything, but, um, it's, you know, there's the majority of people that are, die hard and love mule deer is such a small minute part of hunters that buy license. Um, but still like one guy, you know, not shooting a deer because it was too, you know, it's just not one that he wants to shoot is a good thing. Um, you know, and you know, that just keeps adding on. Um, but regardless of what happens, I think people, people should have their set values of what they want to do when they go into season. Um, like, right now, I want to find a mature deer. I found a lot of deer this year, but nothing that I want to shoot. Um, you know, just have that set in motion of what you want to do and what your goals are. And keep that in your mind. You know what I mean? Tell people that so they know. You know, like, I'm going to tell Dustin, like, I want to kill a big, you know, mature buck. Um, and there you go. You, know, you told someone, and you can't you can't go yeah. away from that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because then when you come home with the,
0: you know, the two-point <laughs> on the last day. Like, like that horn oh, man. Yeah.
1: Yep. And I'm saying right now, you do not get a lot of meat off a of fork and horn. I'm just saying, like, you, <laughs> you're you going to get, at least for how much I eat, I'll probably eat that fork and horn in a week. Yeah, um, if, you're a,
0: if you're a meat hunter, then you have to go after the yep. oldest mature buck.
1: Oh, man, you shoot a big high country Wyoming buck that's seven and a half years old, that thing's going to be a lot of meat. I'll <laughs> tell you that. Like, it's going to be a lot of meat compared to that little fork and horn you could have shot opening day at 20 yards because he stood yeah. there looking at you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, you had pretty good luck, and killed a not pretty good luck. Sorry, that was a, <laughs> You're good. that one. It's insult. all luck. You, you, you had a good experience or a good hunt last year, and found an extremely old. You said a nine and a half. Yep, he's
1: nine and a half years a year old. old. Buck. Yeah, Ta- talk about just finding him and how that went down. Man, it was it was insane. I I scouted this other area, pretty much all summer um, with Dan Collins, another guy that works for us and good friend, but he you know, we were looking at this one buck and he's probably in the low 180s, like really solid deer. Um, but I couldn't figure out like only time I saw him was he would feed through this meadow and I could never see him bed. He would always bed in the timber. So it was August 19th. I kind of on a whim was like, I'm just going to go check this little micro area out just because I want to see, you know, if there's going to be other deer, it could be a backup plan. Um, and went in there and it, like, like we were talking about last time on the podcast, but you go into an area and you see it with your own eyes w- without looking at maps and you realize, man, this is good country. Like, this is what I, I visualize mule deer country as. Um, so I walked in there, looked great and I didn't see a whole lot of deer that first night. Like just sitting there, um, I saw two little forked horns and then it was like 10 minutes before dark. I glassed a mile to my left and saw this just absolute giant body deer standing in an avalanche shoot. Um. August 20th and gray, full gray body. So I figured it's probably going to be a big deer, um, put the spotter on it and immediately now, and that was the moment when I realized like, when you see a big deer, you recognize it's a big deer. Um, and my backup plan quickly turned into my number one plan. Um, totally forgot about that other buck. (laughs) You know, I was like, this, this is the number one deer. So, um, found him August 20th and then I came back August 27th and he was right back in that same area, but he actually moved closer and more stockable situation of closer to me. He moved like he was a mile away. The first, that first trip came back and he was only 500 yards from where I was camped. So, um, and he stayed there all the way. So August 27th, he stayed there all the way till September 16th. Um, and I watched him that weekend and kind of getting really excited about, you know, hunting him September 1st. Um, I actually came in back in on the 30th and I spotted him in the same spot on the 30th um, and just, just an impressive deer. Like he, he started, that's when he really split away from the other bucks and was really solo. Um, and I still had yet to see him bed. I never saw him bed once. Um, he'd just go into these patch of trees and I could never visibly see him. Um, saw him the 30th and then I did not see him the 31st uh, at all. Um, so kind of got a little discouraged. And then, And mind you, I'm looking at, like, probably a 700-yard stretch of a hillside. Like, it's not very big. I mean, I can glass it all day, and I'm not picking them up all day, you know. So, it just shows, like, what those big bucks do and how they move. Um, But I didn't see him the 31st, and I didn't see him September 1st in the morning or midday, nothing at all. Um, And I ended up—he came out, like, five minutes before dark in the same exact spot, same exact bed in the (laughs) trees— Or he came out in the thirtieth, um, and so that got me excited. Knew he was still in there. Um, I didn't see him on the second of the first, like right in the morning. Didn't see him at all, and then ended up glassing him up at eleven a.m. in the middle of the day, just feeding right, right across this avalanche chute. Um, he eventually, you know, I was I, I wanted to get him in a good spot to stalk and kill him, and I kept kept uh, found this bed in the trees glassed it up like the whole first time I was there and I was like man if a deer beds there I can get a stock on him <laughs> and sure enough he beds there and I could just see him through the trees. I know I can get above him. And mind you this is the first stock I put on a bed of meal deer and he's a big deer. Um so I put the stock on him, came up and you know I'm wearing those gulo stalkers like coyotes can be trying to but that's one thing we talked about for is on my side glassing him it was windy, super windy when I got to his side, it was dead, dead calm. Like, I mean, dead calm, you couldn't snap anything. And by the time when I stalked him, he was facing away downhill. But when I came up over the rock at 30 yards, he turned around and bedded and was facing toward me. And Anders was with me. And he said that in the middle of my stalk, he got up and turned around and looked uphill and then bedded back down. So he must've heard me. Um, and then, as soon as I saw him looking at me up looking up at me, I knew that this is the shot I had. So um I pulled back. He's he, he saw you. At this I, point. I think I don't think he saw me at that point. He he knew something was up. Like you know a deer looking up with yeah. his ears. So ears up. So um I pulled back behind the rock, came up like half crouch, and my plan was to shoot him right in the chest. Like he was facing up toward me, bedded. Um, there was a a tree to his right. And a branch coming across over his neck, and what I could see was his gray body under it. And I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm about to just lace a you know giant buck and perfect shot. Failed to go off, and then the my arrow exploded. <laughs> and that gray piece underneath that branch where I thought his chest was was a rock. Um, and he bedded right in front of it, and it was it's a big rock, but just a corner of it was sticking out on the other side of that uh, tr- tree trunk. <laughs> And, um, he's using camouflage. Oh, he, uh, and that was, you know, he instantly blew out, like instantly just boom, gone. Um, my heart's destroyed. Um, and you know, I pick up the, pick up the arrow and I go and I tried to, well, I tried to see where he went and he totally took off. Anders didn't see where he went. So walk of shame going back. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, man, is this it? Did I just totally blow the whole opportunity? He's going to be gone type thing um and then we talked about like I talked to Aaron when I got back and he said that deer is going to be back in 3 to 5 days. Like he'll come back, you know, he just he just evaded you. He evaded something. Um, you know, if anything, I could have been a cat just trying to kill him and he successfully got away. So, that's his home. He knows that, you know, and then once I got close and I saw the track um of his track, I was like, man, this deer is giant. Like just body-wise and you know, he's got to be old. Um So I missed him on the second and I did not see him at all. When I came back on the eighth, I didn't see him on the ninth and I didn't see him on the 10th. So I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, getting pretty uh, discouraged. Um, and September 11th in the early morning, like early light, I swore I saw this deer, I saw a deer and I picked up its head and I was like, Oh wow. Like that I could see a big rack and mind you, he was the biggest buck in that basin by far. Um, like 40 inches bigger than the next one. Um so I knew there's a big deer and then early light and like typical bucks do they vanish, you know, totally vanish. So I didn't get a really good look at it. And around um what was it? Around 11 again, I saw another deer, another nice 4 point 150 inch buck that I hadn't seen in a while. And he went and bedded down and so I went on a different angle just to see where he was, and he bedded right next to that big buck underneath the tree. And it was only because he bedded there that I saw that deer. Um, so I relocated the big buck on the 11th, and he was only within probably 300 yards of where I missed him. So he he was right back in that same spot. Um, and he got up and eventually fed, and it's September 11th, still archery season, right? So I'm I'm aggressive and, like, really, you know, if he beds himself in a good spot, I'm, I'm going to put a stock on him. But he was by himself when I missed him, but he joined five other bucks that after missing him and where he betted, he bet himself right in the middle of them and where I could not see him either. You know, I could see all the other four bucks, but not him in the, in this little group of trees and good thing I had Anders there. Cause he's like, Hey, you know, (laughs) good thing about Wyoming is that September 15th opener for a rifle. (laughs) He's like, Hey, you know, you know where he's at, he's back. So just come back and shoot him with a rifle. And it didn't take me long to agree. Um, so we ended up hiking out and I came back on the 14th and that day of the 14th, I saw two different bucks that I never saw before. Uh, pretty cool. Like 24 inch wide three point. Um, and then another three point hit back forks, but these bucks I never saw. And so it kind of like had him in my mind, like, Oh crud, like he could have left, you know, like he could have left. And, um, the next day, the 15th opener. Um, I didn't see him at all. Is he hard horned at this point? So no, well, I don't know. I saw him on the 11th. He still had velvet him and that 150 inch buck had velvet on the 11th. Um, that three point I saw on the 14th was hard horned. Um, that beautiful, you know, red antler, <laughs> you know, once they rub off, but, um, it was raining on the 14th. Um, and then the 15th, I saw that buck again, that three point, And then I saw four other bucks that i had never seen before. And then one other deer that I did, and so I was kind of in my mind thinking, I haven't seen him yet. You know, what do I do? Do I move or do I stay? And ultimately I decided I need to stay at least because I was there for a week. So um I sat there and- uh, How long were you going to stay? I was going to stay there till the 17th and then probably move or at least down a little bit just to see the other side. Still looking for him though. Still looking for him, yeah. Because- I mean, in Wyoming, you do have seasons that do run pretty long. So like, if you do not kill him, like you can go somewhere else. Um, so my, I was dead set on killing that deer. I could have shot that other three point, that you know, the opening day. Um, and which a little, I will say like a little bit trigger in my mind, just growing up in Western Oregon was like, I need to kill that thing. But, um, you know, I decided not to just cause I'm like, this is the chance I have at this deer. Um, so the 16th came and I knew it was going to storm and it it stormed like it was dead silent. The first 30 minutes of light, I didn't see a single deer. Um, and then enrolled the snow, the sleet, the fog. And I was in my tent for seven hours mm. <laughs> and, you know, but in my mind I'm thinking this is, this is the type of weather that's going to get a big buck killed. Um, and you know, I'm sitting there and eventually I knew it was going to clear up around two and it's right around one 30. I started getting everything packed up. And as soon as I got out of the tent and started walking up, the fog started to lift um, got to my little glass knob, put the glass on my binos on the spotter or on the tripod. And I glassed right back to where I saw him on the 11th and he's feeding in some rocks. Mm. Like I, as soon as I saw his body, I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's him. Um, and I'll tell you what, the adrenaline hit pretty good. Like I, I was right then I knew I got another chance. Like this is it. This is my, probably my last chance. Um, and the only shot I had just because the way the hill was and the way he was, on the side of this hill, I only had a shot at 600 yards, and that's it. Like, if I go left or right, it's gonna be a farther shot. If I drop down, I can't see him. Um, so I sat up, I got there, and I thank God I couldn't get a range for a second because I was pretty worked up. Um, just, I mean, I hunted him, you know, hunting him so hard and just trying to kill him, and then I finally have another opportunity. Um, I couldn't get a range for like 10 minutes, and the fog's lifting, and he's still just feeding the same spot. Finally hit, you know, 618. Um, I had everything set up shooting, you know, uh back support and everything. So it got laid down, put the camera on and shot and watched him drop in my scope. And that was man, that was the the perilation of, you know, just finding him August 20th and then killing him September 16th was an absolute just mental roller coaster of. I mean, when I found him on the 11th and then by the time I came back in, I I probably got probably six solid hours of sleep in four days it was it was bad like i i could not sleep i was just like man this is i need to get this deer um and shot him And you know it's it was instant just like in in the video you can hear me shoot hit him and then in the video you hear me say oh my god like you know before i hit off it was just like i am like i i don't get worked up like killing elk or you know killing some bucks but that really got me pretty pumped up um But it was just a culmination of finding this deer, but also of how intelligent he was, like the way he moved and the way he bedded, um, the way he acted around other deer. And I could tell that that deer is mature, right? Um, he knew how to live and, you know, and really he would have lived if, you know, you couldn't shoot 600 yards. Um, but like, it's, it it got me fully addicted in a male deer. Like this year it's been, I'm doing the same, you know, just full immersion into trying to find a deer like that. Um, I didn't know how old he was until I honestly got him aged. Like a lot of people were guessing, you know, five and a half, six and a half. Um, but then I started looking at his teeth more and I'm like, man, like he's pretty worn down, his back his jaws and um got the teeth back about a month ago and he ended up being nine and a half years old. Um, which if anybody knows, you know, a high country deer in Wyoming to live nine and a half years is pretty impressive. Um, Plus be in a spot, you know, like he, he lived in a spot where I wouldn't think a deer could get that old, but you know, he, I didn't see a single person uh, that whole time. And he obviously knew how to live. Um, and that gets you pretty addicted into that compared to going and whacking a bull, you know, that's just hot on a cow. Like you don't have any history with that bull really. Like people do, but, um, like finding a big deer and then trying to track him, and track him specifically and how he moves, um, is pretty addicting. Um, and you know, him, him just being in that country and just fully knowing how he moves. I mean, I, like I said, like I found him on the 20th and killed him on the 16th. I did not see him a whole lot. Like it was just like very briefly, like he'd come out and feed, I'd get some video of him. Um, and then he'd be gone or I wouldn't see him at all for like two days straight. And he's still there. He never, you know, he'd be feeding, most likely feeding at night a whole lot. Um, but also, you know, he didn't have to leave the timber. When I went on a stalk on him with my bow, um, I walked right through that timber, and he, he didn't need to leave that timber. You know, full grass in there and everything, he could just eat. Um, so, you know, it's it was a crazy hunt, and for it to all work out was kind of just wild. You know, it's that feeling of actually getting him on the ground and then walking up to him was insane. Um, and you know, I, I hope to have that feeling multiple times, you know, of finding a deer and then eventually killing him. I definitely learned, I learned a whole lot off that one deer that's going to help me for years, Yeah. you know? Um, yeah, just the, you know, not, not leaving an
0: area, which, you know, if you're, if you're going in blind, right. I talked to Hobbs about this a mm-hmm. couple podcasts ago, but if you're just going in blind to a spot and you don't have any reason to sit there, we just sit there for a mo- an evening and a morning and then we move, yep. right? Because that's it. And, you know, and, and there's something to be said for, you know, glassing like we are in, you know, the end of July or the first of August compared to, you know, mid-September. Mm-hmm. But you know the the point still is it, it's impossible and really it's stupid to just sit and look at a spot over and over and over and over and over yeah if you don't know that he's been living there or that that's its home or that that's where he's you know it's where he is he's just not visible exactly so
1: yeah no it's you know don't think that I was just sitting there calm as can be thinking oh he's here like i you know i yeah, was your mind your mind's oh, man, yeah,
0: frantic right like, yeah
1: like So after I missed him with my bow that <clears> next day, um, I didn't see him in the morning or midday. I literally hiked around every single trail that left that basin trying to find his track just to see if he did leave. Um, I never found his track. Um, but, you know, my mind was still like, man, if if he left, I want to know. Because if I'm going to be sitting here for, you know, <laughs> 10 straight days and I don't see him, then I just wasted that time. Yeah. Um, you know, I never saw that track, which which doesn't say much. I mean, he doesn't have to hike a tree. He doesn't have to walk a trail to get out of there, but you know, it's, it's just more peace of mind to being like, man, he still is in here. Um, and when I found him on the 11th and got to lay eyes on him, I mean, Anders can attest cause he was there. He could see how excited my face was. Cause <laughs> I left him to go get a different angle on that other four point. And when I came, I came back running to him. I'm like, dude, he's there. Like, like, Oh my gosh. You know? And, the pure just excitement and then realizing that I did everything right in a sense of just sticking it out yeah. and staying there. Because I didn't see him, like I said, on the 8th, 9th, and the 10th. Like, that's three days where I did not see him. Um, so, you know, you, you don't think that my mind didn't wander and be like, he's gone. Um, and I very easily could have left. But... You know, it's easier to sit in a spot when you know something's there, but that all comes down to scouting. I mean, I found him scouting. It, it, there's no way I could have walked in there blind on September 1st, um, not seen him September 1st, right? Like, I I, I could have came in August 30th, first, never saw him, didn't see him in the morning of the 31st, and just left. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I, I, I love scouting as much as I love hunting. Um, I'll say that. Like, I, I can't get enough of it, just because you know you have so much knowledge going into season um and i do think a lot of people that don't think our deer are around is because they don't scout and then they go hunt you mean you know like when you get to september 15th and you're trying to find deer like you're not going to see as many deer
0: your chances are that's how i've been a lot of seasons right because whatever i have other tag that i go scout for Mm -hmm. or, or you know you know or maybe you're just in a place where it's too far to, you know, you're, you have a tag that's too far to scout or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, when you, <clears throat> I asked, I asked Travis this again, and then I, I, uh, asked, um, the other podcast I had since we recorded the first time was, uh, Scott, Scott Thompson. Mm-hmm. And, and he's killed, I think, a handful of, oh, you know, he's good on yeah, yeah, 190 plus bucks. And both of them, and i'm going to start asking you know any of these seasoned guys that i get on that have killed yeah a lot of big bucks and and i and i can tell you like you know even guys i know like carter i guarantee you i bet you 90% of the of the big deer the 200 plus you know with aside from like now now this is early season mm-hmm. we're talking right yeah whether it's a bow hunt or a colorado muzzy hunt or uh, early Wyoming rifle, but sometime from the end of September on forward or before, Yeah. if they're killing big, big bucks in there, they almost always have seen them or know about them from either a previous hunting season, Mm -hmm. right? That's where we're going right now is we're heading into a spot where I saw the two best prospects I had for last year Right and Mm -hmm. and who knows what'll happen here, but let's just say that you know one's one's still in there and you know um, wouldn't have even been here right if I hadn't seen it. Yep, previous to the hunting season or last year at least. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know it's just it's just a common theme that it's why I understand how how you know I used the word luck earlier. I understand how actually stupid lucky it was that I killed that deer in Colorado, right? Yeah. And and I've been hunting a lot of years looking for that buck. Um, and so I earned it, right? Don't don't misunderstand, like I but as far as how I killed that deer, I was just in the right place at the right time and might as well have been crossing the road and hit him with my truck, right? I mean yeah. it was just He's just, boom, he was there. We never knew about him, obviously, before. Yeah. He was dead within 45 minutes of spotting him, and game was over, right? It wasn't anything like your story. Um, yeah. And so, killing him on purpose is a whole different
1: level, but... Um, it definitely is, but, I mean, I'll take, like, this year, if I don't find a buck, and then I go into season, and then I find a buck one day, and I kill him that day, Sure. it's still going to feel good, you're you know.
0: just. You're just... You know, trust me, because I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. just not gonna do that consistently. Oh no, right? It's it's gonna be one out of if if you're going hard like I am, I bet it's a one in ten year deal. Yep. Right where you find and kill a 190 inch deer that you didn't didn't know on about. an early season. Right now, late season totally different. Right, you might go down to Colorado. Let's say you buy a landowner's tag and go hunt fourth season every year. Yeah. Or whatever. Like you might go down there every single year and kill a 190. I don't know. Um, but if we're talking early season stuff, yeah, you know, it's just it's just not going to happen multiple multiple back to
1: back to back times. Well, and I'll these, say that, yeah. If you if you want to be consistent, and that's what I want to be, that right. type of thing, you know, you have to put in the time. Um, guys like Travis and Scotty, like they they put in time, and then also they put in time, and now they have knowledge. I mean, yeah. Then it just compounds, mm-hmm. you know, and and yeah. Anyway, yeah.
0: What uh, talk about? the specific terrain that he was living in and kind of the, you know, just the generic, but specific stuff. Yes. Per uh, you know, degree of slope on the Hill, the facing aspects and
1: stuff like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The degree of slope. I mean, he was in steep country. Like, I mean, when I shot him, um, and it was snowing and stuff, I was slipping on the Hill trying to get up to him. Um, like there's one part I was like I don't know how I'm gonna get up this to get even good up to him, but um, very steep. I mean over you know 30 degrees. You know definitely he he lived in terrain where he could move freely, and I don't think really predators could really get the best of him. You know what I mean? So um, and also in Wyoming especially because it's not like Colorado where you have that just big high open basins. Um, there's gonna be a lot of bucks that live in that sparse timber. Um, like I said, like I wouldn't see him for two days straight and I was glassing there all day. But he was just in the timber. Like he never needed to come out or you know, and so I think the at least the terrain he liked to live in was I think where he really felt in control. Um, because I live when I was glassing him, like I said, on the other side, windy as can be. But every time I went to his side it was calm. Like calm where he could hear and he and there still was wind. Um you know, when you know, <laughs> thermals going up and getting down, but it was so quiet that I was wearing stocking shoes and it just felt like I was not being quiet enough. And, but still he, he was an older deer, lived nine and a half years. I mean, mind you, nine and a half years of not getting killed by a hunter is one thing, but nine and a half years of not getting killed by a cat, you know, yeah. or, you know, a grizzly. Like he, he felt, I, at least the way he acted too, was he was in control of his terrain. Um, and I think those big bucks get like that and it's their house. I mean, that's where they live. Um, but he lived in a place that was very conducive for him surviving. Like I said, steep. Um, he walked on those, he bedded on them. Um, and, and we talked about that before is like other hunters have kind of realized that is that those big bucks really do like that steep stuff. Um, and you know, you're never going to see an elk really in that terrain with him because, I mean, they don't like it. You know, they can't bet on that kind of stuff. So, um, his terrain just really conducive for him moving and feeling at freedom of what he wanted to do. But yeah, it, uh, it, it kind of opened my eyes on where big bucks can be also. Cause it, it was an area that I looked on the maps and I was thinking, man, like it, it looks good, you know, like, but I don't know if a big deer would be there, but as soon as you get into the terrain, I started to recognize like, man, this is, this is something that could hold a big deer. Um, just so, you know, not impressive in a way, but super impressive and, you know, like it, it just looked like something where an animal can hide. And that's one thing is like people that say that there's going to be bucks that are timber bucks and they'll never see the daylight. Like, I don't believe in that at all. Um, all bucks have a chance to get shot in the open. Um, it's just finding those areas and where they're at is going to be the, the ticket. I mean. There is yeah, deer. And,
0: and now you're able mm-hmm. to go pattern, you know, you're able to recognize, it's like that my reverse scouting uh, principle that I talk about. Mm-hmm. You're able to look at that now where you saw him or where you were looking on Google Earth or whatever. Yep. And then, you know, now that you've been there and seen how a deer utilized it and what he actually utilized in mm-hmm. a big deer and an old deer, now you go back and it's like, oh, okay now i you know it changes your whole entire perspective about what you're actually looking for oh um, it does when you're you know e-scouting mm-hmm. uh, because now you've you've seen what it actually will look like and it's it's different it's different than what you were picturing where bucks will be
1: yeah way different and the sense of like that's what i do and that's how you kill a deer and I guess how, or just a big animal in general and how you take that information in is the biggest thing. I mean, there's going to be people that go out there and they'll kill a big buck or something and they don't take in where that buck was. Um, for me and just the way I, my mind works, like I was looking at every single thing he was doing and I remember I logged it in of how he moved, how he bedded, what times he came out, um, and the terrain he was in. I mean, it's already helped this year. I mean, I've went and checked out some areas that, you know, kind of look like that terrain and I'm finding deer, just not finding a big, big deer yet. Um, but still, I mean, those deer that I'm seeing, like if you find a buck that's three and a half years old and he looks pretty solid, like tell you what, like next year he could blow up, but definitely if he's five and a half years old, he'll be big. Um, you know, it's just like finding his type of terrain is really on my mind, but I know bucks are going to be in, like, I I could kill a buck this year that's in totally different terrain, but I feel like they're still going to have somewhat of similarities. Um, you know, so Just taking in information of where those deer are at and actually taking it in and then, uh, you know, translating that into e-scouting is a big key. Like I, um, I love e-scouting. It's like, if you look at my, and I'm, no one's ever going to see my Onyx, but, um, (laughs) you'll see pins everywhere. Like I want to check out everything. I want to look, you know, and you know, that's, that's something that I, I like I'll tell you what, like e-scouting for elk is the easiest thing in my mind now <laughs> than any, like everything, because I can drop a pin. The last two bulls I've killed with a rifle, I've dropped a pin and shot a bull on that, those pins. <laughs> um, but you can't, you can't necessarily do that for a deer. So um, that's just more or less like now I'm trying to figure out what those deer want to live in um, and what's going to, what's the recipe to make them live longer I mean, what's the recipe to make another deer, kill another deer that's lived nine and a half years old, you know?
0: Have you you been back into the same spot?
1: Yes. So there was another buck in there, um, a good solid buck, probably 155 in that zone. Like he, he looked like he was, you know, just about to blow up. Um, Last year? Last year. Like he, he, he was with him. Like when I shot, when I shot my buck, dropped him and I got up to him that other buck was standing over top of him and I, I, and they're both, you know, he was a big body deer. The other one was. So my initial mind was like, Oh my gosh, he got
0: up, you know, and he's way smaller than I I know. I was like, Oh no.
1: And then, you know, he turned his head and I was like, Oh, it's that other deer. And then, um, you know, so I, I have went back in there and I've seen a lot of, of decent bucks. Um, I haven't seen that buck, which is kind of bothering me, but I mean, he could have died, you know, he could have got shot, He could have died, you know, animal or he could have died from a winter. I still don't know what I'm going to do if I want to go back in there middle of August just for a night just to see again, you know, because I still think some deer are moving right now. Um, Right now it's what? It's July 29th. So deer should be in their summer range, but I still think deer, just especially after this winter, are still moving up. So I've been seeing a lot of deer in that spot, which has me really promised for future um, just haven't seen a deer that I want to kill and especially not him. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely going to keep that spot in my mind forever. If, a, if, it, if that spot, and I'll tell you what, if you find a spot where you kill a nine and a half year old animal, um, definitely keep it secret yeah. and keep hunting it. Um, because especially if there's other bucks, cause they're, they're going to get that age too. Um, as long as you don't blow it up or if no one else finds it, um, So, you know, keep, keep in mind those areas and, you know, I, I hopefully plan on killing another old buck in there. Um, just, it might, it's probably not going to be this year, um, which is fine. Just, you know, let it, let those other bucks grow up. Um, there's two other bucks in there that I think, you know, with a couple more years, they're going to be, they're going to be really big and hopefully has his same genetics. Um, I really want to know what my buck looked like when he was six and a half and seven and a half because he... (laughs) He, he, so when I shot him at nine and a half, he ended up, he's 191, um, and just heavy, like heavy, big front forks, you know, his back forks were weaker, but, um, just an impressive deer just frame wise. Um, but I, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I don't really, nec- I don't care about score. Obviously I, I want to kill 200 inch deer in my life, but, um, if I kill a nine and a half year old buck every year and if it scored one twenty, and <laughs> it's nine and a half years old, I'm still going to be just as happy yeah. just cause that's an old deer and he'll, he's going to have that same intelligence as a deer. That's, yeah. you know, that deer I killed last year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. Like I love this stuff. Like we're about to go hiking and, uh, hopefully find another buck like that. And you know, if not, if we're seeing deer, like I still love it. So, um, yeah, this, it's addicting, man.
0: Well, this road is not addicting. No, it sucks. It sucks. So, <laughs> well, all right, man. We uh, we got it. I think we actually got this one recorded, and uh, haven't popped a tire yet. <laughs> so, uh, we'll see. Hopefully, but... okay, heading in for a few days. Right on. Coming at you live from the mountain. Yes, sir. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.